John, I think I found something even more gorgeous than you are. No way. That's, you know, I, I don't believe you. I know it's hard to believe, and I had to. No, no, it's, really... it's not. It's not that I don't believe that there's someone more gorgeous than me, or something more gorgeous than me. I can't believe that you would tell me this on air, <laughs> breaking my heart for millions of listeners to hear. Oh, um, yeah, that that's true. But I've never worried too much about your feelings. I mean, I just <laughs> considered that you know you can handle that sort of stuff. Uh, and you know, I love you, and you know how amazingly, uh, wonderfully good looking I think you are. But um, last week, uh, Rogue Amoeba. Uh, released the latest update to Audio Hijack. I keep wanting to call it Audio Hijack Pro, but they've dropped the Pro bit and just keep an Audio Hijack. And I have to say, it's one of the most beautiful UIs I have seen in a long, long time. Would you marry it if it was legal? I think I would. It's just stunning. The, uh, it's the combination. You know, sometimes you can get those applications where um, they look amazing, but they're totally not functional or... Mm-hmm. Um, the beauty is very shallow and when you come to have to do anything of any depth with the application it all um, yeah, gets a bit a uh, bit um, loose whereas this it just looks amazing it's totally functional the way you just drag things around and hook things up and, and set things it is it is amazing and I would say if anybody does anything with audio work where you have to capture the um, audio from an application or just for recording your own stuff, you really need to go and uh, just uh, check it out because it's um, it's beautiful. So well done, guys at Rogamira. Can I tell one of my guilty pleasures and the reason why I, I bought it? I, I probably shouldn't admit to this because the stormtroopers are going to come knocking on the door, but there are certain uh, you know musical performances you find on YouTube for which there's no, there's no possible legal way to buy it. So sometimes I will hijack the audio from... From, for instance, I got and left a note about uh, this Echo and the Bunnymen concert. Now, Echo and the Bunnymen is somebody you might like. They're from your era. Uh, I am a huge Echo and the Bunnymen fan, have been since I was about 14 years old. Yeah. So they, I, I've been leaving a series of notes on Finder. I always find it interesting when... Uh, when one performer takes lyrics or a song bit from another one and extends it and, and references it, and there's the, the the final song "Do It Clean" from their performance at Royal Albert Hall features the song where you know the, the song "Do It Clean" where he adds in a bunch of lyrics from other songs, including from James Brown and the Beatles and uh, Little Richard. It's fun. It's great. And Audio Hijack has always been good with that, but uh, the, the particular thing I liked about it is being able to to crank up the volume because sometimes it's uneven the volume of it. You get spectacular worth the price for that alone is i've got a feeling i mean because they have got some official albert hall recordings haven't they is it not on any of those no sadly no i I really want it because um i know all their albert hall stuff is on spotify but um uh well i will have to find out what you're talking about john because um yeah very uh very cool only ever seen them live once back a long long time ago in the late 80s in fact, mid '80s. Um, they're still they're still gigging, still touring. So there we are. 
I think they were in my area a few weeks ago, but I couldn't go. There we are. Anyway, blast from the past. Indeed. So anyway, we'll have to tell um, Paul Kafasis is uh, from Rogamiba. He's talking at NS Conference this year. Um, so uh, he, he did say he was um, unable to really talk about his talk yet or think about it because he had a release to do. And I said, yeah, that's fine. But now I've seen what he's releasing. It's like... Uh, Hey, yeah, yeah, you can spend as long as you like. This is great. <laughs> he should just really, honestly, his talk should just be get up, show the interface, and stand up for 20 minutes of applause and sing, and then drop the microphone. Yeah, that's it. Uh, it's definitely, definitely uh, uh, worth it. So, yeah. so there we are. Uh, all you guys at Rugamiba, you've done a great job. We are huge fans. We were, we're huge fans anyway, but um, even more so now. And, uh, just we look forward to um, number four. I mean, I don't see how it can get any better, really. But there we are. I'm sure they will stun us. So, John, um, I don't know if you've used it at all, but I've been playing with the asynchronous testing facilities of XC Test in um, Xcode 6 over the last few weeks. I don't know if you've tried using it at all. I have not. I would love to hear about that. Well, XC test, um, I say was, I think it was new in Xcode six, wasn't it? Um, it replaced OC unit, yep. which I think was um, uh, was in five, and uh, so that was deprecated. I think you still can use OC unit in Xcode six. If I, I'm not sure, but anyway, the default one is now XC test, um, and it's pretty similar to. Um, the normal testing framework stuff that OC unit was doing, you create uh, test classes and test bundles and you create um, methods that begin with the word test and you can, um, uh, and they all get run automatically and the UI does some sort of nice ticks or crosses depending on whether the test pass or don't pass. Uh, but one of the interesting, uh, or, or what I say good um additions that have come in XC test is the ability to test asynchronous calls because obviously with more and more of the Cocoa APIs and our own APIs becoming asynchronous with uh, block-based completion handlers or even for uh, testing things like delegate method calls um, having a test that just sort of starts at the top of a function and drops through doesn't really work that well so what they've done inside of it is created uh, these things called expectations. So what you do is at the beginning of your test, in, in every single test, you create a new expectation. Uh, you give it a description so you can identify it at, uh, at some later point. And then at the bottom of your test code, you make a call saying, wait for expectation with timeout. And you tell it how long you're prepared to wait for. And what that does is that forces uh, the test to sit there until the expectation is what the um, the terminology is fulfilled. So then obviously you do your asynchronous call, you get your call back, you do your normal asserts using your XCT assert equal or assert not nil or assert nil, all the, the range of um, assertions that come with XC test. And then when you finished your testing, um, you just call fulfill on the expectation object that you created at the start of the test. Um, and that will release that wait for expectation with timeout call. And it all carries on and, and the test passes or fails based on the assertions. It's really simple, um, but, it, but it just makes testing um, asynchronous stuff 
really effective and really easy and it's um, a, a massive improvement as far as I'm concerned. That is very cool. I have a stupid question though. So when you say that you, you, you make tests with, 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 with uh, timeout handlers, shouldn't part of your testing be to make sure that, like for instance, you're making a network call times out that that, that, that is, is handled? Or am I missing something? No, no, you might do, but obviously you're not testing, not every single one of your tests is going to be testing network right. calls. Now, this this um, this raises a whole issue, because what I'm testing here is an SDK front end. I'm writing to a REST API. Um, and there's loads of arguments that go on in testing that, you know, testing should be fast, it should be efficient, it should be, um, and it shouldn't call... Um, you know, it shouldn't call something across the network because you're not testing the network connection as such. You're testing the the code in the SDK. And, and in a way, you're not even testing the REST API. You're testing your code that's accessing the REST API. Um, so the argument would be that really you should um, probably create a mock API for your code to call that that um, returns data or doesn't return data Um so that you don't have to go across the network, um, and, and that's 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 all true from a purist point of view. Uh, you do have the problem, of course, when you're calling a REST API, that um, you've also possibly, if you're just going across the network, even if it's to a test API that uh, your system admins have put up, you're going to you've got um, it's not a known state to the data. Often, if you're doing that. And obviously, one of the things you want to test is, are you getting back the data you expect to get back? And if you want to uh, really test expectations, you've got to know what the data is. So the way uh, I've set this up is um, I actually run a copy of the REST API locally. Um, So my tests will run against a local running copy of the the REST API uh, because it's our REST API, so we have a, we're able to do that. I admit if you're trying to write something that goes against, uh, well, Findery, for example, you know, you can't run the, you know, someone else couldn't run your API locally, so that becomes a, a different issue. But for, for me, this is fine. Um, and every test class, you can develop a setup and a teardown call, just like you could in uh, OC test, uh, OC unit. And, um, what I do in there is I've actually put some calls into the API that only ever run on the local version. So before every single test, the whole database behind the API gets reset. So every single test is always running uh, against a known state of the data. And if it wants anything other than that known state, so if it wants some extra this or extra that, it has to add them as part of its setup for that particular test. So um, you can then say, I should get this many of this back or only five of that back because you're running against known data. And yes, it's still from the purest point of view, not doing it fully properly because um, there's still the network involved, but it's local and it's very, um, it's, it's very fast. Uh, now the problem there is with that is of course that um, it means that any developer that wants to run those tests needs to be running it locally um, which means they need to be running a copy of the uh, the REST um, API, which means they're going to have to install Node, they're going to have to install Mongo. So that's not particularly 
necessarily good from a larger team point of view. I'm the only member of the team working on this particular code at the moment, so it's not a problem. And of course, on the um, build server, the integration server, setting up the local copy of the API is fine, and we can just leave that running. Um, so the continuous integration tests and the stuff that happens when you push it can can still uh, can still work. But it's so it's it's not an an ideal solution still. Um, although in fairness, because I'm working on a pretty new machine here, um, uh, which I'll talk a bit more about in a moment. Um, it's you know, it, it takes about 20 minutes to set Node and Mongo up. It really doesn't take very long. Um, so, uh, admittedly, and, you know, it's because our API happens to, you know, be simple to set up. Others might not be. But uh, I think it's better to test that way than not test at all. Um, and it's doing it. But actually, I think XC test is pretty usable. Uh, us- usable, even. It's a lot better than OC unit was. Um, the only downside of it is at the moment is I have to use Xcode, which, um, is still (laughs) bloody awful. Um, How are you finding Xcode 6? uh, Well, let's put it, let's say this. I I wouldn't be ready to, to rename XE test into sexy test because it's just not. No, I mean, I, I'm an app code user. Um, and I, I know what everybody says, and I totally agree. App code is, compared to Xcode, is but ugly. Um, but it's stable. Um, it has a fantastic editor in it um, for, for working with code and refactoring and all that sort of stuff. And the other advantage for me is because I do write Node code and I do write some Ruby code, um, uh, I also use uh, from JetBrains uh, WebStorm, which is their web development um, IDE for when I'm doing stuff like uh, Node and Meteor. And I use RubyMine for when I'm writing Ruby stuff. Uh, and it's the same editor. So I can set up the same keystrokes and the same thing for whatever language, whatever I'm doing. Um, and that, so for me, that's got a greater advantage. Um, unfortunately, right now, I mean, they're working on it. App code's at 3.1. I think, um, but the Swift support is, is yeah, it's not really there. I mean, I think as we, I, there was a release about a week ago, which I haven't really looked at um, that much, but I think, you know, there's no things like code completion or anything like that um, in the Swift at the moment. Um, although I know lots of people just write with things like BB Edit and whatever, um, which has none of that stuff, but, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a, bit of a soft boy and i like my code completion and stuff like that i can't remember brain like a sieve i can't remember everything else i can't even remember the calls on my own classes let alone everything else um but there you go so mm. i don't know xcode hopefully it will get um it will get better um but uh there we are i still think for a product released version six the what? editor is very weak yeah well, maybe maybe Apple will announce after their earnings that they're going to devote one year just to quality. The two twenty fifteen, the year of quality. Well, I, I I don't know if you do you listen to the debug podcast, um, John? No. no. Okay, debug debug podcast done by um, uh, uh, the, both their names are gone for me. Guy English and uh, from Imore, Rene. Hmm. Uh, they have. Um, 
and I'm going to forget their names now. They have two guys, ex-Apple guys, on quite frequently. Um, one was behind Safari. Come on, help me, John, help me. I'm going to look it up. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, I really should know by now, shouldn't I, what uh, what these people are called? But uh, I apologize, guys. I do know who you are. Um, in fact, you know what? I'm going to pause and we'll edit this bit out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You're leaving this in. I want everybody to know that already you have early onset Alzheimer's. <laughs> <laughs> I really should. Um, oh, Don Melton. And um, mm. I just remembered one of them. And oh, where is that? Where is it? Anyway, I'll put a link to the um, episodes in the show notes. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. That's really annoying me. I will find it in a minute. I'm trying. I can't multitask, John. I can't look up the the um, podcast page and um, uh, the um, two syllables rhymes with Nitin Ganatra. That's it. Thank you. Uh, who was one of the very early um, iOS developers led the team. Um, so he says more than just an iOS developer, but they've said, you know, even because uh, we all say we want another snow leopard, don't we? Mm. Well, in the last um, episode of uh, Debug, episode 60, so put a link in the show notes, um, they did a sort of fairly sort of behind-the-scenes view of what was going on in Apple during the Snow Leopard um, sort of release. And it was just as skin of the teeth and, you know, same processes, same procedures, same bug triaging and whatever else is, is any other release. It wasn't, you know, it, it, no new features was this thing for the public, but it was like, you know, it, it had as much, just as much crap going on as everyone else. And, um, you know, it, it, so we, we keep calling for this thing and they're saying it's never going to happen in whatever else. It's a good, lead, good, good listen. Go and have a listen. It goes on for about three hours. So you need, you need some time, but there we go. So far. Anyway, how did we get onto that? Uh, we were talking about Xcode. <laughs> Oh yeah, there we are. But it could do with some. Uh, in fairness, I'm running. I'm running um, the beta, the latest beta. So maybe if I was, uh, I felt that the the shipping version wasn't very stable, so the beta couldn't be much worse. Um, I. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, I do. You know, the only time I switch back to the release one is then, of course, when you want to go submit. So, uh, if. You know, I, uh, I, because you, know, you try to submit for, for pre-release testing with TestFlight, you're required to do it. You, even if you build an archive with, with the beta version, you can't then subsequently submit it. I guess they, they, they tell which version, they tell on you which version you built your, your archive with, meanies. I don't know, these darn Apple people snooping on us all the time. Mm. What can one say? What can one say? Well, can I, can I, can I say publicly that uh, my experience with TestFlight this time was much better? You can tell us about it. It's obviously a test is is the key to this episode. We'll call it testing, testing, <laughs> testing, t- um, testing, even testing, though- testing. Is anybody listening to us? <laughs> <laughs> is there anybody left out there? So um, tell us about it. Tell me about it. I'm well, about to okay, sit back so- comfortably and listen to you um, uh, waffle on about test flight for a bit. No, I'm going to be very succinct. It finally worked this time. So those of you who were listening in the past uh, and followed me on Twitter knew that there was a time when I was like saying, I've had it. I'm going back to Hockey App. I can't waste any more of my, my remaining years on this planet screwing around with, with, with test flight, the new test flight, Apple test flight, let's call it that. 
And uh, the problem I was having back then is that they, they opened up the ability to, to submit your own binaries and to have it tested, you know, have it distributed uh, without having to have your users jump through the whole UDID hoops. And I was all excited for doing it. But at that moment, the only people who could actually do that were so-called iTunes Connect internal testers, which could not be made from people's existing Apple IDs. So it was kind of useless and just very, very painful. And so I said, I'm never going to touch this again until they actually do make good on their promises to make it available to a thousand people. And so I kind of, in the meantime, went back to Hockey App. I stopped worrying about it. I just got over myself. And, you know, when, once, once you have Hockey App set up, you kind of learn its quirks and it more or less just works. Um, it, it, it seems to always take like one or two times to, to get people on it. And, and in reality, it's probably not their fault. It's probably just the, 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 the complexities of, of, of UDID checks. Anyway, so uh, I got to the point where, where one of our main testers, you know, emailed me at Friday, you know, at our time, he's off in Finland said, Oh, by the way, I have an iPhone six and you know, haven't you got test flight working yet? And I don't want to send you my UDID. And, uh, and I was growling, but I said, all right, fine, we'll do it. And so I would go to submit it and you get the, the kind of normal headaches. And again, that's the, you know, make sure that you are submitting it with a non beta version of Xcode. And then I, I fill out the form and I growled again at iTunes connect is that their web app is kind of invariably, when you're going to, to submit something to App Store, you you know are fig figuring out why is is why is the next button you know uh, grayed out? Why can't I do it? You know they they guys put a little if there's if there's a required bit of information and you haven't filled it out, put a little red dot somewhere on it so we can see it. So you 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 scrumble with that. Finally, you get it going, and then you go submit it, and then you go say, okay, great, now I want to make this available for testing, and then you say, okay, great, now that works, now you want to invite external testers, and you go through the process of, of you know, uh, submitting it for view, and you, you have fear and dread, and you're wondering, how long is it going to take? Is it going to take five days just to get people to get somebody at Apple, some human being, or some piece of software to do it? And you start Googling that, and you said, no, actually, you know, it's been taking only one day, and I think, oh, well, only one day, that blows. Now, finally, you know, I said, well, you know, I'll do both. I will submit it, see how long it takes. And meanwhile, I'll get the hockey app version uh, ready. And lo and behold, it only took, you know, whatever, four or five hours for the permission for whatever, for the answer to come back saying, yes, this binary is now approved for external testing. And I think, well, you know, this is not great because uh, I don't know about you, but oftentimes towards the end of our project and we're especially when we have release candidates, we're, we're releasing once a day at least. Sometimes, you know, if you've got something you really want to get it out and test it and you have a small fix, you want it out there available. You don't want to wait a couple of hours. So I was saying to myself, this blows. But then it came time to do the second release yesterday evening. And in fact, it had this very convenient little, you know, uh, question is saying, has anything significant changed? And of course, they leave it up to you as to, to what a significant change is. But I, I presume that what they do is they look at if it's the same version number, but just another build, they are willing to give you a pass and saying, we've already gone through the approval process. And indeed, if you check the, the you know, nothing has significantly changed in this build, it just goes out available every, uh, you know, right away. And so now that you, when that when that happened, I could see that the sun was shining and that the clouds had parted and, you know, our, our, I could add new testers easily and uh, everything was very, very happy. So I'm, I'm willing to say publicly, as I said, that I'm 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 no longer angry. And in fact, I'm rather happy with the new test flight uh, capabilities that's built in with with and now that Apple had acquired them. Have you tried it at all, Mr. Descotti? I haven't, and we're trying to decide how to do um, beta testing with the product we're developing at the moment, and the whole 
Uh, we'd love to use the, the test flight. Um, I'm thinking that the days when you can actually do ad hoc distribution will probably come to an end at some point, um, and which will be sad for the things like hockey. But you know, once once I think test flight is generally running and accepted, the whole you know handing out UUUID and doing that, I think I think will probably get closed down. So longer term, test flight might be the only option. But the whole review process does. Especially if you want to do a daily build, for example, as yeah. you said, I mean it is, um, and you know how how far is that just going to be able to tick or not tick? The has there been any significant changes going to go? I mean, you know, people are going to abuse that, aren't they? It doesn't matter how sensible you are, or anybody else is. There are going to be people going to put through huge changes that way, and it depends on the attitude Apple are going to take. Are they going to? Are they just going to not care because the point is it's your own fault? And we put this system in place to help you and you chose to bypass it. Or are they going to start saying, well, no, we're going to take that away because we're having people distribute, you know, distribute crap or or whatever else to it. So it's, I'm a little nervous. Apple really don't have a good track record in this sort of area. Um, and, you know, the whole review process is um, a little... Um, I don't know. It, it, it's just variable, isn't it? And I think, you know, we, there's been discussions of this on various podcasts, and I think we've discussed it. You know, there's disconnect between the tech and the marketing and the other sides of things. And, you know, we're never quite sure which part of what is in, you know, so who runs the test flight operation? Is it the developer division, the tools division? Is it the app store people themselves? Do we Do we know that? Uh, I think that everything relates to the App Store and iTunes Connect is one big black box. I mean, there's, there's, I would love to know. I mean, I, I have to believe there's quite a bit of software automation that's going on, like the whole validation process when you go to submit an app and, and, and it, it tells you that you know, it's, it's doing some you know, API usage analysis and, and checking to make sure that your package is all signed and, and, and all the certs and, and provisioning profiles are all in place, et cetera, et cetera. So it does all those things. And they, you know, the fact that you can validate beforehand means that, that there is some software, uh, you know, check that, that, and presumably some piece of it is, is running on Xcode. And, you know, and I'm just always wondering, you know, what portion of, of the acceptance of the approval process is done with, you know, software automation to make sure that your software is not, you know, whatever, making network calls that or core location calls or, or private API things that, that the app is not supposed to do that they can somehow divine you could potentially do by looking at, you know, at, at, at you know, at that, at the symbols in, in, in your binary, et cetera. And then what portion of it is human things saying, okay, we're going to try and, and run this software as if we're a first-time user and see does it fall over and die because any software that falls over and dies reflects poorly on Apple. And people don't you know, make that distinction between third-party and, and, and Apple, and I, and I get why Apple wants to protect against that. But so the question then comes down is that it is, you know, is there a human being even that looks at, 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 at automated, you know, at, at, at test flight submissions? I kind of think that I have to believe that there is. Otherwise, where would the delay come? Is I, I can't believe that there's any bit of software testing that they could do on a on a on a binary submission that could take that number of hours. Nor do I believe. Yes, they have tremendous volumes, but you know, I think Apple has access to uh, more than a few computers and can probably you know run these tests on on more than a few binaries per per, per hour. So 
you know, it, 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 but, but who knows? You know, if anybody wants to write the, write the, the great American mystery novel or, or a new thriller to be directed by Clint Eastwood there, they should make a movie about iTunes Connect and, and the App Store approval process. Yeah, I mean, maybe, it, I don't know, maybe yeah. it just gets cued. Maybe they make the delay so your expectations don't get too high. Um, maybe it just does all of the... Um, <laughs> There's Maybe some it control. just does all of the sort of automated tests that the App Store review would do, like checking for the private APIs or this, is it built properly? It doesn't do the manual test, but it just does the automated test. So it can fail you for things that you're going to fail on automatically um, anyway, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't sort of fail you yet because your buttons are the wrong color or whatever else, all the sort of, sort of um, uh, HIG stuff that maybe has to be done by a person. Well, do you, do you imagine then that there's some kind of you know internal mission critical custom app that allows some you know manager somewhere from the comfort of his own home with an iPad to be able to to move the slider that determines the number of hours that, that something will take to come back in order to to keep people in line to keep people guessing. I'm well, feeling dude. like there's going to be a four hour delay this morning. Oh, I'm in a good mood. We're going to make it just twenty minutes. Have you? I mean, I'm I am a I am for the app review process for released apps. I'm not against that at all. Neither am I. Um, I think there are problems. Um, I think the consistency and the way things are done could always be better. But I, I, I would rather there was a review process there than not there. Um, I, I think that has probably helped... Uh, the platform overall to remain a better platform. Have you seen that um, petition that wants um, Apple to? Uh, they want everyone to submit their app on the first of March. They want they want to see if they can get a hundred thousand app store submissions of new apps or updates on the first of March, just to see what Apple do if they get that many on one day, um, because they basically the campaign is to have the app store review removed or sped up i mean i I, i'm a fan of speeding up but um uh, i'll put a link in the show notes but there's a petition they want everyone to submit their apps on march the first um or do a small update or bug fix or something so that they have a hundred thousand app store submissions and just see what happens i'm sort of not really i I, I can't say i'm behind that i think i can't say i'm behind that at all no um I i will put the link in the show notes but it would be interesting to see how the system copes yeah um but uh it seems uh, yeah i mean think when app store submission times get up to sort of 10 days one week 10 days i think really that is the system not working i think 24 48 hours if they can get it to that as a normal submission time on an app um or, or even 72 hours maybe um that's that's fine with with provision to get emergency fixes through which i think on the whole they're pretty good at these days if they can get it down to that and uh be consistent um you know allow people to you know uh put stuff in that they're told at wwdc they can put in and then suddenly realize they can't uh you know it's their own worst enemy but i think that is just two different departments not in sync um or at war i hope it's the first um but uh might be the second you never know um you know there's uh one of the things you knew is in steve jobs day he was such a dictator um that it didn't matter if he was right or wrong the company was going to run the way um he was going to run it um 
you know, even though I think the transition to Tim Cook has been really smooth and I think Tim Cook is doing a really good job, um, I'm sure there are at certain levels within the company um, certain tensions, shall we say, that may not have been there when the leadership was maybe slightly more temperamental. <laughs> shall we put it that way? <laughs> um, and I hope, you know, there's, there's, it's a large company. There's going to be politics. There's going to be power plays. There's going to be struggles. Yeah, that's that's human beings. It, that's going to be life. Um, I just hope this App Store stuff isn't that going on because that will be really crappy for them. I hope it is more just a case of they haven't got their shit together yet on certain things. Um but equally, that's not particularly good either after six, six years, seven years now of the App Store to to not really have these procedures down to how we're going to allow new stuff through or not allow new stuff through. Um, you Maybe it's a sense of, you know, with iOS 7 and iOS 8, particularly actually iOS 8 even more, there was so much new stuff in it um, that, you know, maybe they just hadn't decided as a, a sort of review process what was going to be acceptable or not acceptable, and they're sort of doing it real time and cocking it up. I'm not gonna. Well, that's what that's what Scotty says. Scotty, Steve, Scotty Scott says that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So, uh, so there we go. Well, okay. So um, you've got a you've got another release coming up. So hopefully we'll um, we'll talk about that. Uh, do you think you you'll be done and ready to talk about that next week? Maybe. Uh, we're we're going to submit today, and so yeah, I'd be happy to talk about uh, what we learned and, and what we worked on because I think it's pretty interesting stuff. I, I you know, I, I I think independent of of it being Findery or, or or any other app, I think that there's a lot of things that 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 we've learned that could be applied to any app, and uh, we'll talk about that next next day next week. And uh, we're having we'll, a f- carry on. Sorry. Yeah. So hopefully we'll have a a a, a show note, uh, you know, a, a blog post URL or some such thing saying come and get it. 3.1. Cool. Um, and um, uh, we're having people write in saying they'd like to be guests, so we'll be lining that up over a few weeks. Although, uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to last week's show yet, John, that um, you weren't around for, but uh, you you weren't around last time those guests came on either, and they, they just think it's personal. Oh, they don't. They were like going, yes. <laughs> oh, we only get to talk to the great one. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, yes, exactly. <laughs> No, it's, it's more like, no, oh, it's like, fine, we have that marshmallow in, you know, who's not going to ask the hard-hitting questions that investigative reporters John Fox always hammers us with. <laughs> yeah, they get, no, they get no hidden they get, camera interviews, they get no nice ambushes cop, in the not driveway. Bad cop. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> John Guantanamo Fox. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's quite a few people who wish you were in Guantanamo, but never mind. Um <laughs> As a guard or as a prisoner? Wait, what are you saying, Scotty? I'm, I'm going to leave that one open to public opinion. Uh, answers on a postcard, too. Right, okay. I think we'll call that a day. Um, Guy English, Rene Ritchie, I am sorry. I couldn't remember your names. That is so embarrassing. But there we are. Um, I Hopefully, we'll, we'll make up with it with a beer sometime. Um, John, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on, on Findery as John Fox, and you can find me on the Twitters as Jembe, that's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And you can find out all about my product, Memory Miner, at memoryminer.com. 
And my name is Scotty, and you can find me uh, on Twitter as MacDevNet. You can find the show notes for this show on iDeveloper.co, where you can also sign up and get them by email if you prefer. Please go check out NS Conference at nsconference.com. Uh, some stuff to say on that next week, I think, as well, John. A um, couple of new speakers announced this week. Uh, Marco Arment's coming, and um, who does Overcast, a great podcast app, and um, Instapaper, and obviously was involved in Tumblr, and um, Carl Richter, who's CEO of um, Martian Craft, uh, our friends who do briefs and everything. So he's going to come and uh, do some stuff as well. So that's great to add to the lineup. Um, so that's it for this week. Thanks everybody for listening. Until next time, you take care. Thank you.